When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Reckless Speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? There's another one. Look at this. A Big, big boomstick, baby, for Nelson Cruz. His second home run tonight. A three-run job. And there's the devil figures we were looking for. It's 10-5 Seattle. Love Mariners play-by-play guy Dave Sims. That was him on the call. Yes, Manny. Dave Dave Sims is as good as it gets on the baseball package. Love watching those late-night Mariners games. Dave is fantastic. Also does some NFL work. That was the voice of Dave Sims. Calling a highlight, one of many over the years, Nelson Cruz, a home run in a Mariners uniform. Nelson Cruz, this is not reckless speculation, Nelson Cruz has agreed to terms with the Twins. It's a one-year deal worth $14 million. Now, there is a team option for 2020, so if he performs okay this year, the Twins can bring him back next year, the year 2020, at $12 million. If they choose to not bring him back in 2020, they pay him $300,000 to go away. So the total guarantee is $14.3 million. In many ways, this is a one-year deal. Nelson Cruz, even at 38 years old. He could still mash, man. On a one-year deal, this is a fantastic move. By the way, it is the Mackey and Judge show. Those guys are out. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. Manny Hill is here. I mean, Manny. Really, right? I mean... He can still hit, man. And I get it. I mean, there were some things that Tyler Austin showed me last year that said, maybe he has a chance. And he's out of options. Now, to me, you don't DFA him now. Like, there's other moves you can make to create a 40-man spot once Cruz presumably passes the physical. He'll take Mm -hmm. a physical in the coming days or coming weeks. Then the Twins will make the move official. So until they do, the Twins won't announce a thing... But, heck, go to Cruz's Twitter avatar, our guy Seth, who does great graphics work for 1500ESPN.com. That's right. Seth created a picture, Cruz in a Twins jersey at bat. Nelson took it. That is now Nelson Cruz's (laughs) avatar on his Twitter page. Plus, on his Instagram, he sent a goodbye message to Mariners fans. And those close to Cruz are able to talk, even on the record at times. We may have his agent on later in the show, but even on background, you know, this has been sourced out enough that it is a done deal. And how about this, Manny? I'm told Nelson Cruz also had offers from the Astros 
and Rays. Now, money talks. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the agent Bryce Dixon, if he's able to join us at 5.30, can lay out what the specific offers were. My hunch is neither team was offering $14 million in 2019. But nonetheless, to get Nelson Cruz to come here to commit to here on essentially a one-year deal over chasing a ring in Houston or even Tampa, right? I mean, the Rays coming off a 90-win season. The Rays adding Charlie Morton. The Rays look like they'll be good again. Best division in baseball or one of. And the Twins playing the worst. But hey, to beat out the Rays and the Astros is pretty darn impressive. And what I'm even more so excited in terms of Nelson Cruz, aside from what he can do actually on the baseball field, which is still at 38 years old, he can still hit as good as anybody. Um, I am watching the potential relationship between him and the third baseman. I think that is going to be massive. That's going to be so important for the future of Miguel Sano is that getting somebody in like Nelson Cruz, who is 38 years old, Doogie, and hit 37 home runs and uh, had an on-base of 342 last season and drove in 97 runs. Like, just watching that guy and his approach to hitting, that is what the Miguel Sano really needs to see. Agree. I mean, there's no way to fully quantify the leadership part of this, the clubhouse culture part of this. But yeah, whether it's Sano, Polanco, even Jonathan Scope. Yeah. Now, the buzz is that Scope talked to Cruz in some ways. Now, Thad Levine has the relationship with Cruz, their days together in Texas. Mm-hmm. So Levine had that in. But the word is Scope and Cruz had some conversations. About playing together. But yeah, you think about that specific Dominican connection, Cruz and Snow. In fact, I did had a Scope, feeling you might bring that up. Yeah, did, did Scope, Scope and is, Cruz play together in Baltimore? Because Cruz was with Baltimore for one year, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, right after the 50 game suspension. Mm-hmm. He didn't test positive for PEDs, but something led. I'd have to go back and read, but something led to him being suspended 50 games. Right. It was that next year, wasn't it? 2014? I think so. That he signed with Baltimore. So yeah, with Scope. Been, yeah. Yeah, because they're not from the same country. We know that. But yeah, they probably would have been teammates. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, the fact that Scope reached out to Cruz Mm -hmm. to help recruit him, there must be some sort of connection. Speaking of his time with the Orioles, I had a feeling you might go down the road of leadership and clubhouse culture. I found this quote on Parker Hageman's Twitter page from former Nelson Cruz teammate reliever Darren O'Day. So O'Day and Cruz were teammates in Baltimore. Here is the quote. O'Day's the... uh the reliever, right? The submarine. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the quote from Darren O'Day. I don't know if this was a couple years ago, four years ago, five years ago, but him talking about Nelson Cruz as a teammate. Quote, a lot of guys, when they get on a team plane and are flying somewhere, they see it as an opportunity to watch movies or drink or listen <laughs> to music, hang out with teammates. A lot of times, though, I'd go to the back of the plane and Nelson would be there with his iPad studying video of opposing pitchers. Every time I walked by, I'd say, man. I'm glad he's on my team. Wow. And it's not just O'Day. I mean, doing some digging, knowing I was coming in here for three hours, reaching out to some people that were around Nelson, Seattle, Baltimore, Texas. Word is, he's a phenomenal teammate. Not necessarily a vocal leader, more a leader by example. Leader by example. But sure. That's why I'm excited about the Sano thing, because if Sano can just watch him and watch how he can be at this age and still be as effective a hitter as he is to this day at this age, I think that's something Miguel really needs to to, to look at and take note of because we know Miguel has all the skill and all the talent in the world to be a terrific hitter. 
And I think just it's just that approach that I think he needs to have. And, and you know, go, go to every at-bat with a game plan, knowing knowing what you want to do and knowing what your approach is going to be. Nelson Cruz is a guy that's done that his whole career, and I think Miguel needs to needs to see that and take some notes on that. Bouncing all around here in the first segment, before we get to former Gophers quarterback Connor Rhoda next segment, Connor in studio, to break down the Gophers' victory over Georgia Tech, plus talk about the 2019 Gophers. There's a lot to be excited about. Let's get to some other headlines from the day with the Wild briefly. Yule Erickson Eck, former first-round pick, sent to Iowa. He may be in Iowa for a long time. We mm. haven't yet seen him live up to that first-round pick billing. So Erickson Eck, gone, won't play, obviously, for the Wild tonight in Chicago. Then Matt Dumba, we knew last week they made the announcement that Dumba would miss, quote, significant time. He underwent surgery in town yesterday, a pectoral muscle issue. He will miss at least three months. Now, Bruce Boudreaux even today, earlier today, said, I don't know. I was afraid to ask whether it's three months until he's back actually playing or is it three months until he's just skating? So is this really more like a three and a half to four month injury? But I mean, you do the timeline, Manny, three months even. At that point, the way the division is, the Western Conference is, I mean, the Wilds may very well be out of the playoff picture losing such an important player. Yeah, well, and I mean, if we follow the uh, if we follow the Judd Zolgad uh, method of doing things, Judd just wants <laughs> to blow everything up. He just wants to, you know, just blow up the whole roster and and start tanking and start this thing over. Which I kind of, I mean, I'm I'm kind of subscribing to that approach as well because I think just where they're at right now with the Parisian suitor contracts, which are going to be hard to move. I think with the other pieces that they have, they're they're just stuck in mediocrity right now. And and they I think are, if, you're, if yeah. you're if you're losing, if you're going to be without one of your best defensemen for three months, which is basically almost the rest of the season, I mean at this point you might as well just start selling off some of the other pieces. Now Dumba, I think Dumba they should hold on to. I mean they they've got him under a good contract and just hold on to him. He's really talented. He's really good. Hold on to him and let him be a part of your future. But I think some of these other pieces, they meant they got to start thinking about selling them off and trying to get some draft picks and try to rebuild this thing. Middle purgatory does stink. Yeah. Now, speaking of Judd, do we have any idea? Now, technically, <laughs> you know, it was use it or lose it, right? In terms of vacation. Sure. You know, as the calendar flips to January, you can only carry over so many days. So in the case of Phil and Judd, I'm presuming they had to burn some days. Yes. But, I mean, right now, isn't Judd... Now, I don't have NHL Network on. We're watching Temple and Duke. <laughs> it just it happens to Can be I take, I, I'll take a guess as to what Judd was doing yesterday. So, yesterday... World Juniors, right? Isn't he sitting... Juniors, isn't he yes. mashing on World Juniors? Yes. Whether at Bunnies See, or I in was, his living room on his couch? I like, wasn't screaming on the at the TV? I wasn't on the air yesterday. Um, I was at... I was doing a Dos Equis appearance at uh, at Jimmy's over in mm-hmm. Madness Heights. I could Great go for spot. a Dos Equis right now. Yeah. Great spot, by we the way. We don't have fantastic. management here. Actually, I saw Dan Seaman here. Yeah. Like, Dan, if there's Dan ever a time here. to be drinking on the air, it's when <laughs> filling guy is in here the week between Christmas and New Year's. But it's funny because I'm at Jimmy's yesterday and with, with Lindsay and Declan. We're, we're doing the event and everything. It was a great time. We're watching the, we're watching the Quick Lane Bowl. And, and of course, Lindsay, being the, the hockey nerd that she is, she wants to watch the she wants to watch the World Juniors. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, Judd's probably trying to watch the World Juniors, too. <laughs> oh, at Bunnies with no a cold doubt. one in his hand. Watching the World Juniors, yes. and he's probably he's probably at Bunnies again right now with a cold one in hand, probably trying to find a World Juniors game all day, all night. Canada, yeah. Denmark, Sweden, Finland, yeah, 
Bring it on for Judd. All right, some other headlines from today. Vikings, Xavier Rhodes, Eric Kendrick, C.J. Ham, and Marcus Sherrills do not practice for a second consecutive day. Now, on the Bears front, Eddie Jackson, Aaron Lynch, and Allen Robinson missing practice yet again. So all signs point to, for sure, the Bears sitting those three guys. On the Vikings, I mean, if you miss the Wednesday and Thursday practices, Manny, don't you think there's a better chance than not? Now, I had heard a few days ago they were semi-optimistic that Kendricks would be back, that it would just be a one-week injury with the hamstring. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. But hamstrings are tricky. So at this point, when you miss the Wednesday practice and the Thursday practice, I suppose your chances of playing Sunday, maybe it's not zero, but it's got to be below 50%. Well, listen, I mean, Dalvin Cook was dealing with a hammy thing earlier this year, right? And he ended up missing, what, what was it, four games that he missed? Yeah, well, and not only him. I mean, Anthony Barr's injury was a hamstring injury, right? Yeah, he missed a couple of weeks. I think I saw the note that Kendricks is the sixth Viking. I can't name all six, but yeah, Cook, Barr, Kendricks, three of the six. Mm-hmm. Six Vikings have missed at least one game. So six Viking starters have missed at least one game this year because of a hamstring injury. Oof. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. I mean, they I I don't know how badly they would need Kendricks. I mean, they they seemed to do fine last week without him, but man, they this is with with everything that's at stake for this game on Sunday. I mean, you can't and you know, in in their defense, I, I think one thing that's working in their favor is that they'll they'll kind of know by the time they kick off, they'll know what Philadelphia's already done. No, well, Philadelphia and, got moved to 325. Oh, did they really? Yeah, Philadelphia's a 325 kickoff. So, the, so both games are 325? Yeah. Then? Okay, well, never mind that. But where they then. could benefit is if the Rams jump up on the Niners, and I get it, the Niners are playing better of late, mm-hmm. but shouldn't the Rams in LA with the two seed on the line, that first round buy on the line, shouldn't the Rams jump out by 10 or 14 or 17 points by halftime? I so, if the Rams so. are up big at halftime, that's when the Bears say, okay. We can't dip down to the four seed. Right. We can either jump up to two or we're locked in at three. But if the Rams win, we can't jump up to two. So you know what? If the Rams are up 14 or 17, to me in the third quarter and fourth quarter. Maybe the Bears wave wave the white flag. Yeah, they do. Yeah, Start resting guys. And and, wouldn't you, if you were Matt Nagy, there's no reason to play Khalil Mack, right? No. Akeem Hicks. You wouldn't play those guys if your seeding can't change. So, yeah, I mean, in some ways they could hand the Vikings the playoff berth. And, hey... Maybe the Bears want to play the Vikings that first week. Yeah. Because the Bears have a say in that. Would you rather play the Eagles or the Vikings? Now, to me, I'm always a believer. Be careful in what you wish for. Mm -hmm. That's a slippery slope. Are you sure you want to play that Vikings defense? Mitch Trubisky's first playoff game? Are you sure about that? But they might argue, yeah. We don't want the defending champs with all that mojo. They might, yeah. Well, and they might. The Bears might go into this thinking, you know what? We got we got 52, and we got. Uh, we got Akeem Hicks, and we got enough, and we got a good secondary, and playing on our field and our our track or our slop, whatever you want to call Soldier Field in January, depending on what the weather will be for that well, for that day too. You know what? I'm a nut, so I reached out to Dave Dahl, chief meteorologist, mm-hmm. Channel Five. I said, Dave, not that I trust Dave. Heck, Dave doesn't trust himself forecasting <laughs> ten days out. But I go, Dave, just look at the models. What's it looking like in Chicago, January 5th and January 6th? No surprise, windy and bitterly cold. <laughs> Maybe not like below zero, but like 10 degrees. And, heck, we were talking about this off-air. 
And I don't know if the NFL views the Sunday 3.30 time slot as the best. I think they do. Or if do. it's Saturday night at weekend, 7. I think, okay, I think so they look at the, the Cowboys, game, America's yeah. team. Here's my own opinion. I think Dallas gets the 3.30 Sunday I slot. I've been thinking that too, yeah. So I think Vikings-Bears would be Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So under the lights. So yeah, at night, probably what, like 7 degrees, 8 degrees? Mm-hmm. Windy. We know what the Vikings record is under Mike Zimmer. Maybe some flurries Outdoors mixed in. against good teams. I mean, it stinks. <laughs> it's horrendous. So, yeah, maybe the Bears are saying bring on the Vikings. But, yeah, that is one of many interesting storylines. And quickly, your Wolves win again, Manny. Yeah. MVP chance at United Center last night that? for Derrick Rose. How about that? And how about social media-wise? And it's not like Glenn Taylor's running their social media, right? <laughs> or their CEO, Ethan. Although, you know, there's there's a few people that have their fingerprints on that. It's all about Derrick Rose. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns is an afterthought. Yeah. He had 20 and 20, 20 last and 20 night. 20 and 20 last night. Yeah, can't be the guy that they're marketing. Yeah. Especially because if you had to bet right now, do you think Derrick Rose is back here next year? Not if Tibbs isn't. I'm with you. If Tibbs is not back, I don't think now, if Tibbs Rose is back, then he's Taj back. will be back. Yeah. Even if Tibbs is back, I'm not convinced Taj is back. I'm with you. If Tibbs is back... And Tibbs can be back. If they make the playoffs, they could. Mm-hmm. They make the playoffs. I think Tibbs is back. I think he gets that fourth year. But yeah, if Tibbs is not back, which is certainly possible, heck, maybe very possible, mm-hmm. then yes, there's no chance Derrick Rose is back next year. So if you're the Wolves, my own opinion, market the heck out of Carl Anthony Towns. But yeah, the I Wolves agree. win convincingly last night in Chicago. They are now 16-18, and 18, 13th place in the Western Conference, next in action tomorrow night at Target Center. Against Atlanta. Also in the news today, the talker from yesterday, but it's still relevant today. The Gopher football team winning its third consecutive bowl game. They blew out Georgia Tech. Connor Rhoda played for the Gophers. He was the starting quarterback last year. Connor is in studio. We break down the Gopher football team next. It is 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Morgan looks his way. He's going his way to the end zone for Johnson. Over the shoulder. Got it. Touchdown. Minnesota. Great throw. Great catch. And our first touchdown of the night belongs to Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson of the Gophers, Minneapolis North's own, has a future in the NFL. The question is whether it's now or in a year. Welcome back, everyone. It is the Mackie and Judge Show, 1500 ESPN on this Thursday afternoon. Darren Doogie Wolfson in for those guys. Manny Hill is here producing, technically directing, and pretty much co-hosting. He's got an open mic. It's an open mic Thursday. Joining us now in studio, he was on four Gophers Bowl teams. Former quarterback Connor Rhoda played for P.J. Fleck last year. Connor, you would have been on, you said, what, the Syracuse lost team, the Missouri lost team, but then the Central Michigan win in Detroit, and the Holiday Bowl team that won, which was surprising with the drama and and the players that were out to control Washington State's defense, or excuse me, offense, the way the Gophers' defense did that particular night in San Diego. So you would have been on those four teams, so you went two and two, right? Yep, two and two. Uh Definitely a big win for them yesterday. I mean, it's a, like I was saying, I didn't know what to expect. And um, bowl games are so, they can be hit or miss for teams. And it's 
Some guys are excited about playing them. Some are, you know, dreading that extra three weeks of practice. And, you know, <laughs> there's guys that um, won't be back next year and don't necessarily have a career after college. So um, a lot of it comes down to how the staff and the coaches put together the prep and um, kind of structure their, that schedule to keep guys very interested in getting ready to play. And um, like I said, I never experienced a fleck and staff bowl practice, but it seems like they did something right. Yeah, I mean, clearly. I mean, not only was the win, in some ways, heck, many ways, surprising, right? I mean, Vegas-wise, they were a five, six, seven-point underdog. I mean, a lot of the talking heads, the national talking heads said, Paul Johnson's final game with Georgia Tech, unique offense. The Yellow Jackets are going to win the game. So not only do the Gophers win the game, Connor, it was how they won. Right. To win 34-10, to 10, starting two true freshmen on the offensive line, to have that sort of success running the ball with your running back, a red shirt freshman, to physically impose your will the way they did. I mean, that was just, it was so dominating. And then for Joe Rossi and the defense to do what they did, I just, I don't think a lot of us saw, I don't think anybody saw the game unfolding quite that way no absolutely not uh i didn't really know what to expect i mean it's been a really strange year you go from you know starting out hot and you beat a fresno state team that finished 10 and 2 i believe and top 25 team and um you know you get through the non-conference then they go and i think they started what one and five in the big 10 with some kind of devastating losses to nebraska illinois uh, Maryland, they weren't in the game at all, and uh, they come back and finish the year with a huge win over Purdue. Played a really good Northwestern team, really tough at home. Um, obviously, go to Madison and dominate that game, and then finish in a dominating win again over Georgia Tech. And um, I think that's the key that you look. And um, I remember on your podcast after the Wisconsin game talking about how yeah they beat Wisconsin. Everybody's very excited about that, but. Um, you know, Emmett didn't make a game-winning field goal as time expired in that game. That game wasn't close the entire second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a two-possessions, two-possession game the entire second half. But the way the defense was playing, the way Wisconsin's offense was playing, you knew as soon as it became a three-score game that that game was over because what Wisconsin was doing wasn't uh, no way they're going to go and score three times that quickly. And felt the same way yesterday the way that the D was playing and. Um, obviously very, very inspiring to see and uh, excites people for 2019. Connor, how, how big, I mean, yes, winning yesterday's game was, was great and the way they played was great and winning a bowl game is always good. But going back to the Wisconsin game, like how big can a win like that over a rival when it's been so long since the Gophers have been able to beat Wisconsin, you know, since I think it was 15 years since they actually beat them and won the ax and 24 years since they won in Madison how big can a win like that mean for the future of the program and and for PJ Fleck and these guys going forward now? Uh, I mean, it's huge, but where I see it being the biggest is honestly outside of the doors over at the uh, facility over there. I mean, now it's now that it's done and it's been done. You know, the team can finally not be thinking about that all year long, and they can think about that twelve game schedule that they have focus on putting together a full season. You kind of get that monkey off your back 
um, of having that Wisconsin game Thanksgiving weekend, is this going to be the year? That that thought's out of your mind now, and you can just focus on putting together a full 12-game season, hopefully 13, 14, 15 down the road, like Coach Fleck always says. And um, But I think outside of those doors, it's big because it shows – um, fans, media, you know, the whole nation and from a recruiting aspect and just the aspect of putting go for football on the map, it shows that they're for real and it shows that something right is going on there. You know, a seven and six year isn't a year that we would necessarily numbers wise call success, but you can see the way that the program is trending, the way that guys are playing, the little success that all those freshmen had and were able to put together with little to zero experience. And you see the way that they play against a good Purdue team uh, going on the road to Wisconsin and then winning a bowl game against a a good ACC team. And it just, it's got to excite people for what's to come over the next couple of years. We're talking with former Gophers quarterback, Connor Rhoda. He's in studio. Let's piggyback more on the uniqueness of this year. I mean, you're right. I mean, Fresno State wins double digit games. I mean, it was more than 10. Wasn't it 11 or 12? They yeah, still think, have a bowl game to go? I think they may have played their bowl game already. but Yeah, um, so maybe it was yeah. 12. Did they finish 12-2 and two or something like that? I mean, it was a ridiculously good year for Fresno. By the way, that game at Fresno next September oh, yeah. will be incredibly tough with high expectations. I mean, you know, we'll do a little bit more on the 2019 Gophers, but clearly expectations are going to be very high, but you think about that second game next season at Fresno, they were twelve and two this year. Yeah, right twelve away. and two. Yeah. All right, so that will be incredibly tough. So you beat Fresno in September, but then yeah, Nebraska gets its first win against you, and not only its first win, they embarrassed you. I mean, they blew you out. Right. You know, then you lose at Illinois, you get embarrassed. They blow you out. They score fifty-five points. Then you think about the next four games, in no particular order: Purdue, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Georgia Tech. Those four teams combined scored. 59 points. So again, Illinois scores 55. Then the defensive coordinator change happens. Then the next four opponents you play, you give up 59 points total. I mean, just a crazy year, which I guess isn't all that shocking. Maybe not all that shocking internally when you have so many young guys playing. Yeah, I mean, it it was really strange, and you know, I didn't know what to expect going into the year. I expected them to be better than we were last year. They brought a lot of guys back, lost some key guys, um, Selston, Richardson, some big contributors, but they brought a lot of key guys back as well with Tyler Johnson, and you had Rodney coming into the year, who I believe is just a special, special player, and um, I, I think before, you know, as the season went on, you saw Muhammad really get better and better. Truly each game, I think he performed better than the last. And um, But Rodney is the type of player that keeps you in games and can single-handedly win a game for you because he's that talented. But, um, you know, it's hard to look into all of that due to, you know, yeah, they go and play a winless Nebraska team. But then if you look at the games Nebraska's playing leading up to that, Nebraska's playing good teams tough. They're, sure. They're, they lost they're a lot of close games. Yeah, though. exactly. Oh, yeah, they're, no, that's plenty fair. Right. They're, they're losing games close, and, um, you know, Nebraska's never going to struggle to recruit. So no matter their record, they're going to have talented guys. And, um, you know, as, as we saw last year, it takes a second when you've got a first-year coach to figure out what that coach wants, how he wants you to do it. 
Um, so with Coach Frost being out there and it being his first year, it's going to take time. But I think you saw the program that that's going to be over the last month of the season in Nebraska. And um, the Illinois game was strange just because it's, uh, you know, you, they played really well on offense, the Gophers did. But you gave up 55 to, um, you know, a mobile QB, but an offense that hadn't done much the whole season. Um and then they make the change, and you know, I just I saw a more inspired defense, a defense that looked like they're playing for each other. Um, you know, I wasn't in the building all year, so I didn't know what the vibe was, how they were feeling about how they're playing, about the schemes they had going. But what I saw was just a bunch of guys that were having fun once that change was made. And I don't know if that's due to the leadership on the defense and the guys that are playing, or if that goes directly to Coach Rossi, whoever it is, they did something right and. Um, you know, it looks like Fleck made the right decision to bring Rossi on full-time. Another interesting thing about the season was the change at the quarterback position. Somebody you know really, really well. You got to know Tanner Morgan really well last year. He's one of your good friends. We'll talk about Tanner when we come back. Connor Rhoda, former Gophers quarterback, is in studio. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are out. It's Manny Hill. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's 1500 ESPN. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back at 1500 ESPN live and local on this Thursday afternoon. It's 336. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are out. So I am in. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. Manny Hill is here producing, technically directing, sidekicking, co-hosting. It's an open mic Thursday. Connor Rhoda is in studio, former Gophers quarterback, the pride of Creighton, Durham Hall High School, Egan native. We'll go one more segment with Connor here in studio. Okay, Connor, one of your good friends, Tanner Morgan. Take us through that dynamic that he doesn't win the job through August camp. Zach Anixted, the true freshman, gets the job. And, okay, he's a walk-on, although he had numerous Power 5 offers, or at least a couple. Or yeah, a he's not a walk-on. He's not a walk-on. But, yeah, we can we can keep going with that narrative because the national folks always do, right, on TV and radio and what have you. So Zach Anik said wins the job. Tanner has to be down in the dumps. We never saw that. And who knows, maybe he wasn't. But he's one of your good friends. You were in constant contact with him. How did he navigate the negativity of not winning the job when, from our naked eyes, I mean, watching some of those open practices, watching spring practice, I mean, it was neck and neck. I don't know if Anik said clearly won the job. Maybe. And heck, you know the position. You forget more about the position in two seconds than I'll ever know. But from my own point of view, looked like they were about neck and neck. But Morgan loses the job, so he's now the backup. But then, lo and behold, you know, middle of the year, Anixted banged up. Morgan comes in and he leads the team. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, kind of a crazy season for that um, for both those guys, and they both had really good moments and some moments to improve upon, but. Um, for Tanner, and yeah, he's a close personal friend that I got to know and kind of mentor a little bit, and he's like a little brother to me, but um, started 
right before they went into camp, I was uh, down on campus and got breakfast with them down at the Purple Onion on in Dinkytown there, and just to pick his mind a little bit going into the season. And um, obviously, he knew it was going to be a competition, but I think we both mutually agreed that it was, it was going to be his job to lose going into it. He he played well in spring and. Yeah, Zach's looked well, but you know Tanner's got the leadership aspect. Um, I know that he's he has a handle on that and knows how to do that. And I assumed that that was going to propel him into that role because of the emphasis that Fleck and that entire program put on leadership, especially at the quarterback position. Um, and then in camp, I think he just got there and he felt a little pressure to perform. And I think he just tried a bit too hard. I think Zach came in and was just slinging the ball around and was still learning so much. And Zach, I think, didn't even know what was going on, being his first fall camp. And I don't think he had any expectations. So he was just playing free and um, having a blast, whereas Tanner felt pressure. I think he was worried about performing for that game and the season and all that. And they ended up giving Zach the job. And, um, you know, I talked to Tanner right away and, you know, he's full of emotion and obviously pissed that he's not going to be the guy playing, but he's got teammates still to lead. And the biggest thing I told him was, hey, you know, if you, in the end, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask him if he was thinking about transferring, what his thoughts were. All I told him was, hey, um, if you can learn anything from what I went through over five years in that program, just know that anything can happen. Sure. You know, you've, you're, you're, Redshirt freshman. Zach's a true freshman walk on. Um, like we said, not really a walk on, but technically a walk on. Um, you know, he can get injured and you're the guy for four years. All you need is your one game, your one half that he potentially goes down or he's not playing too hot. If you make that opportunity count, that's all you need. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, you've got, I think Tanner's going to graduate and not this coming spring, but maybe the following fall or the following spring, you know, you stick it out and you get your degree and you can always go find somewhere else to play. And um, obviously uh, he gets a shot in the Nebraska game and, um, you know, he made mistakes throughout the year, but I think he did what I told him. And I think he took advantage of that opportunity he got and who knows what the rest of his career will look like. Maybe Zach gets a ton better or this one of these uh, incoming guys comes in and, just completely takes over the program. But, um, you know, I think he did a great job of just being a leader and he did what he was asked to do. You look at the game yesterday, I think he was like 7 of 12 or 7 of 13 for 130 yards. And, um, you know, he threw two TDs, but um, he just does what he's asked to do and he doesn't make mistakes. And um, when you've got a guy like Muhammad and then going into next year, which we'll talk about with Rodney, Shannon, and Muhammad, plus couple true freshmen and Bryce Williams had a good year this year. I mean, it's a, it's kind of crazy to think about what that offense could potentially look like. So um, I know Tanner's got to be drooling at the mouth to get back here in a couple of weeks and start getting ready. The, I, one of the things that I saw too, Connor, over the course of the season was the improvement of the offensive line too. I think like the offensive line at the start of the year really had some trouble. And then it seemed like once they got, a couple of games into Big Ten play, they'd started to settle in a little bit. Falele got put in at the at the right tackle spot, and he was really good all year. So it, it seemed like we saw a lot of improvement on the offensive line over the course of the season, too. Yeah, I mean, they. I think as a position group, they kind of had 
the biggest improvement from game one to game 13, which was yesterday. Um, you look at guys like Donnell Green and Jared Weiler that coming into the year, you knew what you were going to get. Um, same goes for Connor Olson. But then you've got Blaze Andrews, who's going to be a first-year starter. Uh, Sam Schluter was at the right tackle to start the year, who'd played a little bit last year, but still a young guy. Um, and then you got Fulele and uh, Dunlap, who I think Dunlap still held on to his red shirt, which is huge for yeah. the program. Yeah, he still has four years of eligibility um, he, next I think, year. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much he played beginning of the year, but I know... I don't think he played, did he? Wisconsin game, he played a huge chunk, and then yeah. obviously started last night. And um, You just look at... and. I wasn't in the building, like I've said, but you look at the coaching change that happened with moving uh, Brian Callahan back to the O-line, which is what he was coaching at Western Michigan. Um, and I don't know what his philosophy was, but I saw just a huge difference in the attitude of the O-line. You saw guys wanting to punish people. Um, you saw Donnell do it a couple times early this year. Uh, I think everybody saw Philele's finish on one of the Georgia Tech backers yesterday um he can move 400 pounds he moves he's a freak athlete for his size i saw him when he showed up last winter um i was over seeing a couple guys and probably clearing some stuff out of my locker to be honest but um he was in the locker room walking around and i met him and i was (laughs) i mean he's all of six nine four hundred pounds but he's athletic he can dunk a basketball yeah you look at it you think of a guy that's 400 pounds and you think I mean that's just pure being overweight, but he's a he looks like a freak athlete, mm-hmm. and he can move. And I mean, I told uh, Coach Fleck probably middle of the season this season that you got you're going to have some work to do to keep him here as a senior, because that kid's going to be special. If you think about it, this is his second year playing, and um, you know with the staff they have there, the strength program they have there, he's got all the ability in the world to be a superstar one day. We'll leave you to this. And by the way, Morgan should have had three touchdown passes. He wasn't asked to do a lot yesterday. Didn't need to when they ran the ball at one point. 13 consecutive plays. The run was working. No reason to pass. But on that Altman Bell play down the right sideline, I thought the refs blew it. Yeah, I, just, was, I thought they did. I, his heel didn't hit well, out of it, bounds. It was it, a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looked like a touchdown on the review and all that, but the call in general was what was strange because it either needed to be Correct. incomplete or a it touchdown. Was weird. And then and then they say that the call stands and me and a couple of buddies I was watching the game with were like, "What? How does that happen?" But yeah, yeah. I but mean, yeah, he should have he should have had three. So okay, so we'll leave you at this. What what's your excitement level heading into 2019? Whether Morgan's the quarterback, Anixted, heck, this kid from Texas, Jacob Clark, absolutely has a chance. Even Cole Kramer. I mean, I guess it'll be a four-horse race. I think Cole's got a ways to go, but he'll be in that mix. So it'll be a four-horse race. But you think about all the guys back next year. Now, to me, they absolutely will miss Jared Weiler. And they'll miss Danelle Green, and they'll miss other guys. I mean, heck, the Huff brothers, how good were they Oh yeah, yesterday? I mean, they're Cashman, gonna... I mean, they're going to miss guys. But you think about all the guys that are back in 2019. I mean, my early expectation is minimum eight victories. To me, next year will be a disappointment if they don't win at least eight games. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to look at the schedule. Um, no, obviously they'll play Fresno State again. Um, no Ohio State, no Michigan. You get Rutgers, and you get Penn State too. But you get yep. Rutgers, so that should be a win. Yep. You have Maryland again. I think you know, and and you're going to Fresno, so that's yeah. a really tough game. Heck, they might be an underdog right. week two. 
at Fresno. But I'm just telling you, my expectation entering next year is eight wins. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be tough to to put a number on it, but you know, if you look at this year and they finish with seven, and honestly, the if you with the coaching change on defense that happened, and if you think of the way they finished those four games, it's hard to think that they don't beat uh, Nebraska, Illinois, if they maybe make that change a little bit earlier with the way that the defense changed for that last month of the season. But um, like you said, they're going to miss Jared Weiler, I think, a lot more than uh, the average fan realizes. That center position is incredibly key for the offense they run. Um, Having a young quarterback, you know, Tanner and Zach are both really smart kids, but when you've got a young quarterback who's still learning football in general and you know, I don't know what those two dealt with in high school. I know they both played big-time high school football, but when you get to the college level, the intricacies of playing quarterback and all the blitzes you need to call out and you need to know where to slide the protections to, how to get in and out of different plays, I mean, it's a completely different thing. So when you've got a fifth-year uh, senior, Jared Weiler, being the guy up front calling all the shots, it takes a little pressure off the QB. That shouldn't be as big of a deal now that Zach and Tanner will have some experience under their belt, have a year of playing. Um, you know, and I don't know exactly what they'll do on the O line. I would Olson, right? I would I would think that they're gonna, you know, they may move Andrews out from the guard position, potentially move him over to left tackle where mm-hmm. Donnell was. He was good yesterday yeah. at left tackle. Yeah. Uh, do that, maybe bring uh, Schluter back in. I don't know if he'll be able to play guard, but he's a talented and smart kid. And um, At least during the year that I was playing, Jared was hurt for a bit and then moved Olsen over to center, and he did great. So I would imagine that's how that's going to shape up. Um, and then you just look at the rest of the weapons that offense has. And um, my, my opinion, I think Tyler will be back. Um, I know he said something last night about being ready for next year and um, being excited for next year, but um, you look at him, Bateman, Demetrius, Chris Bell all coming back, and um, you look at guys like Chris Bell, Bateman, and Demetrius all having a year under their belt. Um, Bateman, I think people have seen what he can do. Demetrius is a player that was, when he was a true freshman, he was the best wide receiver we had in training camp. He's a true freshman, better than Tyler. Um, you know, he just he's as smooth as it gets, and he he got hurt in the third game of the year, maybe, and missed some time, and I think then just took longer to get back into the flow of playing football. But um, with that core receivers improving, getting a year older, and then you get uh, Muhammad back, who everybody's seen what he can do, building off of last night and the whole season he had, and then you get Rodney and Shannon Brooks back, who the whole state knows what those two guys can do when they're healthy. Um, I mean, it's uh, offensively, it's a really exciting outlook, I think. You know, I don't know what to put a number on as far as wins may be, but I think it's, I think I saw yesterday, like the the average 28 and a half a game uh, points wise. And I would expect that only to go up with all those guys coming back. Yeah, I mean, it should. And eventually, I think they utilize the tight end position, whether it's Paulson or Span Ford. Yeah, absolutely. The kid from St. Cloud that maintained his right. red shirt. So, yeah, I mean, that offense should only get better. And better. Connor, great stuff. People can follow Connor on Twitter. Former Gophers quarterback Connor Rhoda. It's CRoda underscore 15. At CRoda underscore 15. Former Gophers quarterback Connor Rhoda. Connor, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Connor Rhoda, former Gophers quarterback. Nice enough to join us in studio. When we come back, I will run an Andrew Wiggins trade scenario by Manny Hill. 
Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Big Ten Network analyst Robbie Hummel, former Timberwolf, will join That's us right. in about 10 minutes at 4.30. Former Purdue Boilermaker as well. Yes, he was a great college player. Yes, he was. Heck, maybe he should have gone higher in the draft. Went late second round based on his collegiate success. Now, was it one or multiple injuries? I think he had a couple of... I mean, we could Wasn't one at Williams Arena? Too, I think there might have been one, yeah. I mean, my memory always plays tricks on me. I think he had a, too many beers over the years, and I'm just ACL getting older. One year, I thought. I think it was Williams Arena, though. Yeah, maybe somebody can tweet or call in or do whatever. But well, you man, don't want people calling in. <laughs> Boy, was he a good college player, though. He was great. Yeah. yeah, he was great. So anyway, Robbie Hummel now is an analyst for Big Ten Network. He will join right after four o'clock, so about five, six, seven minutes from now. He got a bunch of Gophers fans upset because he omitted Jordan Murphy on this either top forwards. Or top big men, including centers, in the Big Ten list. He did it like a week ago. And he lists like six, seven, eight guys. And where was Jordan Murphy? <laughs> Leads the conference in rebounding, you know, near the top in scoring. It was an honest mistake. And Robbie can lay out that mistake. But we'll talk not only Murphy. We can talk some other things with Robbie, including, yeah, his injury history. If it was Williams Arena, his memories of playing at Williams Arena. And certainly his time with the Wolves, including being a teammate of Andrew Wiggins. By the way, mm-hmm. I was going to say at 4.30, Greg Bishop, Sports Illustrated. We just got done having four months of inside access to the Vikings. Greg Bishop on at 4.30. So those are the guests coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. But Hummel, his last year with the Wolves would have been, was it 14-15 or 13-14? 14-15 would have been Andrew's, uh, Andrew and Zach Levine's rookie year. Okay, one, so that was Robbie's that last year. Coached, yeah, Robbie yeah. played with the Wolves for a couple of years. His last year with the Wolves was Andrew Wiggins' rookie year. And, heck, Andrew was great that year, but Andrew just hadn't done a whole lot since. Now, he was phenomenal on Sunday in the win in Oklahoma City. But here's what I wanted to get to with you, Manny, on ESPN Insiders. So, their collection of NBA writers, including Kevin Pelton and others, said that this is a trade they would like to see. Now, let me make this very clear. This trade doesn't have any legs. (laughs) There's zero actual truth to this. But this is a trade these ESPN insiders would like to see Andrew Wiggins to the Sacramento Kings for Zach Randolph and Iman Shumpert mm-hmm. and who was the other guy? Justin Jackson? Justin Jackson, so yeah, former Tar Heel, yep. Shumpert, those two are expiring deals. Is it Randolph or Rudolph? I'm thinking of Kyle Rudolph. Zach, Zach Randolph. Zebo. Randolph, yeah, former yep. Michigan State Spartan, yeah. So Zebo mm-hmm. Played with Jaeger in Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. So, Zebo, Shumpert, and Justin Jackson. So, a semi-intriguing young piece. You know, the former, what, Maryland Terrapin? Did he play in Maryland? Tar Heel. Tar Heel. That's oh, right, he yeah. The, he was on the right, uh, title Roy. team that beat, uh, that That's beat right. Gonzaga. Again, see, my memory. Sometimes <laughs> I try to remember things, and I can't. And you're doing live radio, and you just you bleep up. You just you mess up. I can't remember 
literally everything. That's what happens when you have kids and you get minimal sleep and you have a high-maintenance wife and all that good stuff. So, yeah, he played at North Carolina, first-round pick. That I remember. He wasn't a second-round pick. He was a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. But so far in a couple years, Jackson has been average or below average, blah. Mm -hmm. So you'd get kind of an intriguing young piece and two expiring contracts, but then you free yourself from Wiggins's massive contract. Would you do that? Would you trade Andrew Wiggins to Sacramento for Zebo, Shumpert, and Jackson? I probably would for this mm, for this really? reason. Well, because and it and it has less to do with what they would be getting back because they're just getting expiring money and then an intriguing young piece. But I I just in the into year five of Andrew Doogie, I just don't think we're going to see much better than what we've been seeing. I just don't know if if at this stage of his career, I just don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to turn into anything that's worth the contract. Now, I think there's still room and the potential for him to get better. I just don't know if he's ever going to live up to that contract. And I think ultimately that contract is going to weigh on them and prevent them from really being able to make a move good enough to get them over the top. I mean, you've got Towns and you've got a great building piece there. You got Robert Covington, who's been fantastic, and he's on a really, really team friendly contract. I just, I, I want to see Andrew turn into a great player, but I just don't think it's ever going to happen. It may not, but I would not do that particular trade. Here's a stat that blows me away about Wiggins: in the month of December, that freak athlete, freak athlete on the basketball court. I saw him swinging a golf club the other day. What an embarrassment! So I don't know what kind of athlete he is <laughs> off the basketball court, but on the basketball court, phenomenal athlete. Andrew Wiggins in the month of December has two dunks. That's it. Jimmy Butler has more dunks in a Wolves uniform this year than Andrew Wiggins. So how come that athleticism doesn't translate during games? But I'm just telling you, my opinion is I would not do that particular trade. We can revisit the Wolves later in the show, but when we come back, Robbie Hummel from the Big Ten Network. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.